Hey, welcome to What Would Kay Say? I'm your host, Kay Edwards. I'd like to say good morning to all of you that are listening today, July 5th, 2020. As this was pre-recorded on July 3rd. So if you hear background noise of firecrackers going off, it just gives more ambience to what our topic is about today. So let me get into a little background history. I actually wasn't going to do a show today. I was thinking it was um, the holiday weekend and I was just going to play a pre-recorded show that I had done from before. But then I was doing some research and came across some information of a speech that Frederick Douglass had given on July 5th in 1852. So when I saw that, I said, you know what? How befitting, since my show is going to air on July 5th, that I do some excerpts from that speech and discuss the content, content for which, and the context for which he gave the actual speech, what he was trying to convey when given this speech, because it's relative today. So, a little background history is on July 5th, 19, 1852, Frederick Douglass was called to, he was called to speak at an abolitionist group, which was an all white audience. And the speech was actually given less than a decade before the actual civil war took place, right? But the whole thing about this speech is it outlined the gap between what was written in the Constitution and what was actually happening at the time. So uh, that was the background behind the whole speech and why he was there. So I want to take the time today and read some parts of the speech so that you can get an understanding of how his words are still relevant over a hundred years later. So here we go. I'm going to start. Okay. Um, 
he has a this speech is actually like 37 pages long but i'm not going to read all 37 pages so i'm going to read some and then i'm going to skip over and skip over and i'm just going to read the the parts where i wanted to show his dynamic between the two and what he was talking about um okay so he starts out with the fact is ladies and gentlemen the distance between this platform and the slave plantation from which I escaped is considerable and the difficulties to be overcome is getting from in getting from the latter to the former are by no means slight. That I am here today is to me a matter of astonishment as well as of gratitude. You will not therefore be surprised if what I have to say I invent no elaborate preparation nor grace my speech with any high surrounding exordium. With little experience and with less learning, I, I have been able to throw my thoughts hastily and imperfectly together and entrusting to your patient and generous indulgence, I will proceed to lay them before you. This for the purpose of this celebration is the 4th of July. It is the birthday of your national independence and your political freedom. This to you is what the Passover was to the emancipated people of God. It carries your minds back to the day and to the act of your great deliverance and to the signs and to the wonders associated with that act and that day. This celebration also marks the beginning of another year of your national life and reminds you that the Republic of America is now 76 years old. I am glad, fellow citizens, that your nation is so young. 76 years, though a good old age for a man, is but a mere speck in the life of a nation. Three score years and ten is the allotted time for individual men, but nations number their years by thousands. According to this fact, you are, even now, only in the beginning of your national career, still lingering in the period of childhood. I repeat, I am glad this is so. There is hope in the thought, and hope is much needed under the dark clouds which lower above the horizon. The eye of the reformer is met with angry flashes, portending disastrous times, but the heart may well be lighter at the thought that America is young and that she is still in the impressionable stage of her existence. May he not hope that high lessons of wisdom, of judgment and truth, will yet give direction to her destiny? Were the nation older, the patriot's heart might be sadder and the reformer's brow heavier. Its future might be shrouded in gloom and the hope of its prophets go out in sorrow. There is consolation in the thought that America is young. Great, great streams are not easily turned from channels worn deep in the course of ages. They may sometimes rise in, rise in quiet and stately majesty and inundate the land, refreshing and fertilizing the earth, 
with their mysterious properties, they may also rise in wrath and fury and bear away on their angry waves and accumulated wealth of years of toil and hardship. They, however, gradually flow back to the same old channel and flow on as serenely, serenely, <laughs> serenely as ever, excuse me. But while the river may not be turned aside, it may dry up and leave nothing behind but the withered branch and the unsightly rock to howl in the abyss sweeping wind, the sad tale of departed glory. As with rivers, so with nations. Fellow citizens, I shall not presume to dwell on length on the associations that cluster about this day. The simple story is, it is that 76 years ago, the people of this country were British sub subjects. The style and title of your sovereign people in which you now glory was not then born. You were under the British crown. Your fathers esteemed the English government as the home government and England as the fatherland. This home government, you know, although a considerable distance from your home, did in the exercise of its parental prerogatives impose upon its colonial children such restraints, burdens, and limitations as in its natural judgment to it deemed wise, right, and proper. But your fathers, who had not adopted the fashionable idea idea of this day of the infallibility of government and the absolute character of its acts presumed to differ from the home government in respect to the wisdom and the justice of some of those burdens and restraints. They went so far in their excitement as to pronounce the measures of government unjust, unreasonable, and oppressive. And although such as ought not to be quietly submitted to. I scarcely need say, fellow citizens, that my opinion of these measures fully accords with that of your fathers. Such a, such a declaration of agreement on my part would not be worth much to anybody. It would certainly prove nothing as to what part I might have taken had I lived during the great controversy of 1776. To say now that America was right and England wrong is exceedingly easy. Anybody can say it. The dastard, not less than the noble brave, can flippantly discant on the tyranny of England towards the American colonies. It is fashionable to do so, but there was a time when to pronounce against England and in favor of the cause of the colonies tried men's souls. They who did so were accounted in their day plotters of mischief, agitators, and rebels, dangerous men. To side with the right against the wrong, with the weak against the strong, and with the oppressed against the oppressor, here lies the merit and the one which of all others seems unfashionable in our day. Feeling themselves harshly and unjustly treated by the home government your fathers, like men of honesty and men of spirit, earnestly sought redress. Oppression makes a wise man mad. Your fathers were wise men, and they did not go mad. 
they became restive under the treatment. They felt themselves the victims of grievous wrongs, wholly incurable in their colonial capacity. With brave men, there is always a remedy for oppression. Just here, the idea of a total separation of the colonies from the crown was born. It was a startling idea, much more so than we, at this distance of time, regard it. The timid and the prudent, as have been intimidated of that day, were, of course, shocked and alarmed by it. Right? So he goes on more to say, in all this, he's praising the republic. He's praising everything that the founding fathers did to separate from England and separate from being under the oppression that the British government, which he calls the crown, was placing upon him at the time. So then he goes on to say that, you know, when they signed the Declaration of Independence, they were great men and they had great fame for their age, for they did not happen, they did not often happen to a nation to rise at one time such a number of truly great men. And he says, he goes on to also say that they were patriots and they were heroes and for the good they did and the principles they, the principles they contended for, I will, uni will uni unite with you to honor their memory, right? He's saying that they love their country better than their own private interest. And though this is not the highest form of human excellence, all will concede that is it, it is a rare virtue and that when it is exhibited, it ought to be, it ought to command respect. So he was saying that everything that they said, um, how they didn't shrink away, how they stood up for their rights, how they weren't going to settle for anything that gave them injustice. You know, he was praising them for that. But then he goes in to say, because it's, it's almost like as if he's giving them all the accolades, all the accolades up front, right? He's giving them everything to tell them, you know, how good they were, what they did, how it was so wonderful, how they broke away from Britain. And then he also talked about how Britain was giving them such a hard time. So he understood why, why America wanted to break away from them. Then he brings into the story about how um, he brings into the story about talking about the day and what the day means to African-Americans. And he starts out like this. He starts out, and I'm already into page 11 of this speech. And he starts out with, my business, if I have any here today, is with the present. The accepted time with God and his cause is to ever living now. Trust no future, however pleasant. Let the dead past bury its dead. Act. Act in the living present, heart within, and God overhead. We have to do with the past only as we can make it useful to the present and to the future. To all inspiring motives, to noble deeds, which can be gained from the past, we are welcome. But now is the time, the important time. Your fathers have lived, died, and have done their work, and have done much as of, of and has done much of it well. You live and must die, and you must do your work. 
you have no right to enjoy a child's share in the labor of your fathers unless your children are in the bliss of your labors. You have no right to wear out and waste the hard-earned fame of your fathers to cover your indolence. Sidney Smith tells us that men seldom eulogize the wisdom and virtues of their fathers, but to excuse some folly or wickedness of their own. This truth is not a doubtful one. There are illustrations of it near and remote, ancient and modern. It is fashionable hundreds of years ago. It was fashionable hundreds of years ago for the children of Jacob to boast. We have Abraham to be our father when they had lost, long lost Abram's faith and spirit. That people contended themselves under the shadow of Abraham's great name while they repudiated the deeds which made his name great. Need I remind you that a similar thing is being done all over this country today? Need I tell you that the Jews are not the only people who built the tombs of the prophets and garnished the sepulchers of the righteous? Washington could not die till he had broken the chains of his slaves, yet his monument is built up by the price of human blood and the traitors in the bodies and souls of men shout, we have Washington to our father. Alas, that it should be so, yet so it is. Fellow citizens, pardon me, allow me to ask, who am I to, who am I called upon to speak here today? What have I, or I represent, to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in the Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I therefore called upon to bring our humble offering to the, na to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us? Would to God both your sakes and our sakes that an affirmative answer would be truthfully returned to these questions? Then would my task be light and my burden easy and delightful? For who is there so cold that a nation's sympathy could not warm him? Who so abdurant and dead to the claims of gratitude that would not thankfully acknowledge such priceless benefits? Who so, so, who so stolid and selfish that would not give his voice to swell the hallelujahs of a nation's jubilee when the claims of servitude have been torn from his limbs? I am not that man. In a case like that, the dumb might eloquently speak and the lame man leap as a heart. Now, he's saying that to say, this is where he's going into the whole thing of here it is. You're talking about all this unrighteousness done to you. And you know, like I said, how they got away from Britain, but yet they're still toting slavery. So here it is. I'm going down now. I'm on page 14 of the, of the speech. And he says, fellow citizens above your national tumultuous joy, I hear the mournful wail of millions whose chains heavy and grievous today are who don't 
whose chains, heavy and grievous yesterday, are today rendered more intolerable by the jubilee shouts that reach them. If I do forget, if I do not faithfully remember those bleeding children of sorrow this day, may my right hand forget her cunning and may my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth to forget them to pass lightly over their wrongs and the chime in with the popular and to chime in with the popular theme would be treason most scandalous and shocking and would make me a reproach before God and the world my subject then fellow citizens is american slavery i shall see this day and its popular characteristics from a slave's point of view standing there identified with the American bondman making his wrongs mine, I do not hesitate to, de to declare with all my soul that the character and conduct of this nation never looked blacker to me than on the 4th of July. America is false faults to the past, faults to the present, and sol solemnly binds herself to be false to the future. Standing with God and the crushed and bleeding slave on this occasion will, in the name of humanity, which is outraged in the name of liberty, which is fettered, in the name of the Constitution and the Bible, which are discarded and trampled upon, dare to call in question and to denounce with all the emphasis I can command everything that serves to perpetuate slavery, the great sin and shame of America. I will not equivocate. I will not excuse. I will use the severest language I can command and yet not one word shall escape me that any man whose judgment is not blinded by prejudice or who is not at heart a slaveholder shall not confess to be right and just. So there, after he gave them all those accolades, then he goes into breakdown like how dare you celebrate this day and expect me to come in and talk about this day and you still have slaves. How could you in your, in your constitution talk about um, the liberties, uh, the pursuit of liberty, life, liberty, and happiness, and everyone is, you know, they, they wanted all this independence from being, from being oppressed from England, but yet they were still here oppressing people. So I found that speech of his, and now the speech is actually 37 pages long. He was standing up there talking for a minute. Now, I'm sure they were probably sitting there, I don't know, probably cringing in their seats while he was giving them all this, because I'm sure when he first started out, they were like, oh, yes, look at the way he's praising us. Yes, our founding fathers, blah, 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 blah. Till he went and broke it down about how he felt about the slavery and how dare you tote all that and want to celebrate a holiday and make it like everything's all rosy for everybody, but it's not rosy for everybody. And then you want me to stand up here and speak before you concerning that? Yeah, I'll give the, the founding fathers credit, but you know what? 
they should have stuck to what they initially started out doing when they wrote the Constitution. And that's what he was getting on them about. He's saying, you wrote this Constitution in the beginning, you started out on the right track, but somewhere you went awry. And everything that you wrote was totally opposite of what you're doing today. So I found that speech to be quite interesting when I was reading it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about this speech. And since my show is airing the same day that he originally gave it in 1852, I said, it's befitting for me to talk about this on today. So I go down to the last part of his speech where he says, I want to give you the conclusion and then we can talk some more. Oh, where does he I have to go through those pages? Let me see. He says, cause this speech is really long and he goes on and talks about, he goes really into detail, um, about everything, how they got robbed of their Liberty. Oh, okay. Here. Okay. Here, I, here it is. I'm going to, I'm going to give you this. Would you have me argue that that man is entitled to Liberty? that he is the rightful owner of his body, you have already declared it. Must I argue the wrongfulness of slavery? Is that a question for Republicans? Is it to be settled by the rules of logic and argumentation as a matter beset with great difficulty involving a doubtful application of the principle of justice hard to be understood? How should I look today in the presence of Americans dividing and subdividing a discourse to show that men have a natural right to freedom. Speaking of it relatively and positively, negatively and affirmatively, to do so would be to make myself ridiculous and to offer an insult to your understanding. There is not a man beneath the canopy of heaven that does not know that slavery is wrong for him. What am I to argue that it is wrong to make men brutes, to rob them of their liberty, to work them without wages, to keep them ignorant of their relations to their fellow man, to beat them with sticks, to flay them, to flay their flesh with the lash, to load their limbs with irons, to hunt them with dogs, to sell them at auction, to sound, to sunder their families, to knock out their teeth, to burn their flesh, to starve them into obedience and submission to their masters? Must I argue that a system thus marked with blood and stained with pollution is wrong? No, I will not. I have better employments for my time and strength than such arguments would imply. What then remains to be argued? Is it that slavery is not divine? that God did not establish it, that our doctors of divinity are mistaken. There is blasphemy in, there is blasphemy in the thought. Um, then he goes on to say that which is, that which is inhuman cannot be divine. Who can reason on such a proposition? They that can may, I cannot. The time of such argument is past. So he has gone on and he was talking about just to 
when he started breaking it down as to how the slaves was even treated, how they were beaten and their teeth knocked out and how he was just breaking every level of it down to them. And he's saying, but yet you want us, you want me to stand up here and celebrate this holiday where from the beginning, you guys never accepted everyone as being under this declaration that you wrote so i found it quite interesting when i i came upon this so that's my little excerpt from it and let me see did i get to the conclusion i think he has like i said it's 37 pages to this thing um there was another part i wanted to read um that i had to talk about oh okay here in the end of it when he's going to to close allow me to say in conclusion Notwithstanding the dark picture I have this day presented of the state of the nation, I do not despair of this country. There are forces in operation which must inevitably work the downfall of slave slavery. The arm of the Lord is not shortened and the doom of slavery is certain. I therefore leave off where I began with hope. While drawing encouragement from the Declaration of Independence, the great principles it contains, and the genius of American institutions, my spirit is also cheered by the obvious tendencies of the age. Nations do not now stand in the same relation to each other that they did ages ago. No nation can now shut itself up from the surrounding world or trot around in the same old path of its, of its fathers without interference. The time was when such could be done. Long established customs of hurtful character could formally fence themselves in and do their evil work with social impunity. Knowledge was then confined and enjoyed by the privileged few and the multitude walked on in mental darkness. But a change has now come over the affairs of mankind. Walled cities and empires have become unfashionable. The arm of commerce have, has borne away the gates of the strong city. Intelligence is penetrating the darkest corners of the globe. It makes its pathway over and under the sea as well as on the earth. When steam and lightning are its chartered agents. Oceans no longer divide, but link nations together. From Boston to London is now a holiday excursion. Space is comparatively annihilated. Thoughts expressed on one side of the Atlantic are distinctively heard on the other. The far off and almost fabulous Pacific role of grandeur at our feet. The celestial empire, the mystery of ages, is being solved. The flat of the Almighty, let, no, the fiat of the Almighty, let there be light, has not come yet spent its force. No abuse, no outrage, whether in taste, sport, or avarice, can now hide itself from the all-pervading light. The iron shoe and crippled foot of China must be seen in contrast with nature. Africa must rise and put on her yet unwoven garment. 
Ethiopia shall stretch out her hand unto God in the fervent aspirations of William Lloyd Garrison. I say, let every heart join in saying it. God speed the year of Jubilee, the wide world over when from their galing chains set free, the oppressed shall vilely bend the knee. And then he goes on to say this whole speech that's like a poem. But the whole thing of it is, I like the way he brought in about the nations because that's the same thing about the nations today. If you look at it, everything that he was talking about, how we're so interconnected, he's like, enough of this. You can't just do what you want to do in the closet and people are not going to see. So what he was talking about to them in 1852 can now be spoken to them again in 2020. So that was my little excerpt on Fredericks Douglass's speech. And it was called what to a slave is the 4th of July. That was the name of his speech. So with that, I think we could take a little music break just to, you know, cool down, think about everything that he said. And, um, I'll be back with the rest of the show. Come on, it's the song of the session. All of these songs we keep singing. All of this praise we keep bringing. Yeah. When it's all said and done, yeah. we just want you to come. Hey. These hands we keep raising. These prayers we keep praying. Uh, when it's all said and done. We just want you to come So here's our prayer, Lord
Well, all right now, I hope you guys enjoyed those selections. I know I did. So now, once again, no one has sent me any questions that they have or any comments that they want to make about anything pertaining to the show, which would be, you would send me an email to whatwouldksay at gmail.com. And this will be the portion of the show where we would address those emails. But since I haven't gotten any, we're going to go straight into op-ed. But before I do that, I want to tell anyone who, if you're the first time listening to this show, welcome. I'm glad to have you here. And you can catch all my previous shows on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, the website. Um, go to my show page. And what would Kay say? And you can find my archived show there. So once again, my name is Kay Edwards. I'm coming to you from home recording for Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. And this is what would Kay say? So now going into op-ed, what I wanted to discuss in op-ed, it's so many things once again that has been happening. But before I even get into what's been happening, what I really, really, really want to say is I want everybody to take a step back and take a deep breath, right? Because with all the cities opening and with everyone going back into, I guess, civilization again with one another, I'm noticing tensions are very high. Tensions are running high with people and I really can't put my finger on exactly what the issue is. I know black Americans are angry. We're disappointed. We're hurt. We're tired. Yes, we're still feeling those things. But of course you knew that because we showed it with the protests. You, we've showed it with what we're talking about. We're starting to show it economically. We are not supporting businesses that do not support our living. If they don't, and I'm not saying just saying in words. And that's another thing I want to get on to. The corporations that are now toting the banner Black Lives Matter and are th thrusting funds into black programs, um, student organizations and all this other kind of whatever they want to throw their money into. I've even heard, I saw come across my news feed that the NFL for the first week when they start their games, they want to play lift every voice instead of the national anthem. Are you serious? You can't be serious. And see, this is where when you do things, it makes us look at you sideways because if you really believed that black lives mattered, it would not take black people to take to the street. And don't get me wrong. We're not the only ones taken to the street. We have all diff different cultures taken to the street with us, but it would, it should not take something like that to take place in order for you as a corporation to now want to say, yeah, you know what? Now that you come to think about it, I guess they do matter. Let's throw $2 million to that boys and girls club down the block. Really? No, 
To see change that you really believe that black lives matter, how about integrating your boardroom? Let's start there. Let's get more black people, people of color, sitting in main sections of your corporation, not just giving us window dressing of, oh yeah, we're gonna say, we stand behind you, Black Lives Matter, oh, and by the way, here's a bone, $2 million, to put to the United Negro College Fund. You think that'll make them happy? Because that's exactly what it seems like. And now all of a sudden, Aunt Jemima's face is coming off of the bottle of syrup and off of the box of pancakes where how many years? It's been over 70 years her face have has been on that box and all those years you never thought it was, well, I guess you did kind of think it was racist because you did update her look. And like, I don't, my mother always, she never bought Aunt Jemima just for the fact of because of the face that they had on the bottle. Because when I was growing up, I remember Aunt Jemima being on the bottle and she had a red bandana tied to the front of her head, tied in the front. I remember that clearly. But now they've updated her. I looked at the bottle lately because I was like, oh, wait a minute. They want to take her off. She's got a updo. Look like she had on some pearl earrings, some white shirt looking like a, a little corporate America woman. Like, yeah, I'm here to represent this pancake and syrup company that I got my name on it. No. Now you want to talk about it being racist. Whereas before, obviously you must have thought it was racist because you changed her from the red bandana tied to the front of her head to now her having pearls and an updo. Like, really? Okay. I'm not buying it. And you, corporate America, are now starting to notice that we're not buying it either. We're not buying anything that we don't feel truly supports us. And you know what? That's the way it should have been for a long time. But okay, it took us a little while to wake up. And some of, some of us are still sleeping because some of us are still going out there doing whatever we want to do. But you know what? You can't change everybody overnight. And... If it makes a little bit of an impact to get someone's attention that, you know what, we stand to lose millions of dollars if we don't now start listening to what they are saying, then I'm happy. I'm happy. You could not believe it or believe it, but you do recognize that, like I always say, it's not about black, it's not about white, but it's always about green. So that's what, what I wanted to talk about in my op-ed today. Just the whole, everyone's angry. And I know, like I said, I know why black America is angry, but why, did, why is white America angry? Are you angry because we're angry? Are you angry for the fact that you don't feel we have a right to be angry? Are you angry because you feel enough of us being angry? It's enough. Get over it with the anger. I'm not really sure. But I know when I go outside, I feel a heightened tension in the air. And it's noted with what I've been seeing on social media with the woman that pulled the gun out on the mother and her two daughters. Now, mind you, from the story of what I understand, she backed up into them, almost hit them. They hit the car like we do here in New York. If somebody's going to back up on you, you tap the car like, hey, I'm back here. 
the woman jumps out her car and points a gun at the mother and the daughter. I was like, is she going to shoot them because they tapped the car like, don't run me over? And she's screaming at the top of her lungs, get from away from my car, get away from my car. Honey, you almost ran them over. But now you're annoyed because they didn't want you to run them over? Long story short, from what I understand, they did get the license plate number and they did give it to the police and the woman was arrested. Okay, so now see, that's what I'm talking about, a point where white America is angry. Why are you angry? Because somebody said, don't run me over. Oh, because she was black, so what, run her over? You had no need to get angry. Don't get angry. Just say, my bad, I didn't see you. I don't get it. But I guess I do get it because I guess I would feel a little angry if someone was blaming me for not recognizing or failure to want to recognize that something was wrong. And they just kept telling me, don't you see that that light is red? And I'm like, I don't care if the light is red, it's green. I'm going through it. Say so then, yeah, I would be angry if you keep telling me, but that light is red. You can't go through it. Yeah. I'm going through it cause it's green. Cause I want it to be green and I'm going through it. That's the attitude of what white America has. No matter what you tell them, you know what? If I don't see it as being that way, then it's not so, and I'm not doing it that way. And a lot of them, they're having growing pains because it's getting kind of hard to not listen to what the masses are saying now. So maybe that's why they're a little angry. I'm not sure, but I just want everyone to be conscious of when they go out pay attention to, to their surroundings. A lot of stuff, there's been a lot of violence jumping off. And I know, like I told you before, we are in spiritual warfare. So I expected all this, but I just want all of us to be diligent in when we walk to pay attention, when we pray to be specific in what we're praying for, because you know that we do not fight flesh and blood. It's the principalities, right? And spirits in dark places, high places. So I want everyone to remember what it is that we're fighting and to just stay safe. That's my biggest thing. Just stay safe. So with that, it looks like my time is growing short. Oh, uh, I did have a, I did have a comment from a listener. I think last week when I was talking to you about renewing the mind and I quoted Deuteronomy 13:23, I made an error. It should have been Deuteronomy 23:13 for anyone that was following and wanted to check the passage that I had read. So it was about us being the head and not the tail. That's Deuteronomy 23:13, I believe it is. Let me look. Cause here it is. I thought I had it up again and I don't know. I've been changing things around lately. I want to say one thing and I see it as being that, but then it comes out my mouth another way. So I don't know what that is. Old age, perhaps. I didn't want to admit that. You didn't hear me say that. I'm not owning that. I'm not owning that. <laughs> but let's see. I just wanted to clarify so that everyone had it. Um, that I would have it right so that you guys could follow it. It was 28, I believe, not 23. Here I go giving the wrong one again. What is going on with me? I guess because I'm talking too fast. Sometimes I talk too fast and and then it doesn't. Um, yes, it was Deuteronomy 28, 13. And the Lord, and the Lord will make you the head 
and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. That's what I read last week. I gave the wrong scripture. I said 1328. It should have been 2813. So now I am clarifying it for all of you that take notes and that go and look it up after I finish speaking. You now have the correct verse. Today is the first Sunday of the month. So you know that means we have to have a word. And I think our word for this month is going to be freedom. I think we need some freedom. I think we need to free our minds. I think we need to free our spirits. I think we need to free ourselves of all, anything that's holding us back, anything that's keeping us confined and bound, we need to be free. You can only worship if you're free. No one can do anything if they feel bound. So that's our word for this month. The word is freedom. And our promise for this month is... John 16, 12, love one another as I have loved you. How befitting. So I want to say, have a blessed day. Enjoy the rest of your day, your weekend. If anyone has off tomorrow, I'm not sure with it being the holiday. I know people probably had a long extended weekend. Be safe, be kind to one another, be good to one another. And until we meet again, God's willing, see you next week. Peace. Hallelujah. 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 You get the glory. Hallelujah. You get the praise. Hallelujah. You get the glory, hallelujah, you get the praise.